am the presenter of my very new podcast called She Became What. What is She Became What, you may ask. I'll be honest, so we came up with the idea um, of She Became What after I had a couple of glasses of wine with some of my friends and we were talking about how helpful it would have been in school and I suppose the first stages of your career to understand what was really required for you to get into those positions and um, whether you're in them now or you're striving towards getting there was university necessarily the best route to get in there did you study the right course to get on track for securing that position so there was a lot of unanswered questions as young women um that we were looking for but we also thought there's probably a lot of other women out there potentially um interested to find out a little bit more so i thought Let's start a podcast mini-series um, and I've sacrificed my anxiety of being recorded and now having to edit my own voice and listening to what I sound like to try and give, I suppose, listeners some hints, tips, tricks along the way and um, what paths certain people follow to get into the positions they are in and um, mixed in with some funny stories, um, I suppose, from their careers, ups and downs. And that we've all faced as women trying to succeed in business. I personally believe one of the biggest keys to success is who you surround yourself with, as cliche as I know that sounds. Um, And this actually brings me on to our very first guest and one of my very good friends, Nicola Deering. I'll try not to finish off your sentences and guess what you're going to say, as all my friends will... um, tell you that I often do this and anybody who's actually been in a business meeting with me will know find it very hard not to do this so I'm currently convinced I have undiagnosed ADHD so without further ado Nicola do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Are you okay? (laughs) Yes not bad thank you thanks for having me. You're welcome and thank you for being here so um, we're just going to go through the questions obviously I've given you a bit of a preempt to have a look at the questions we're going to go through we'll do a bit of an introduction into who you are so our listeners can understand and get to know you in a bit more detail and then we'll do some more gender specific questions the stereotypical ones that you'll probably get asked when you are a woman yeah. in a male-dominated business and then lastly we'll go on some career related questions Great. okay yeah so um what's your job title Nicola what is it that you do So my job title at the moment is a finance business partner um, at Manchester Airport Group in uh, working in a group role, so kind of looking at all non-core aviation um, departments within our group services. Wow, that sounds very interesting. Um, Can you tell us a little bit how you got into that role, what your career history has been up to date? So I've been at MAG now for... in two weeks it'll be four years okay and in those four years I've actually done four roles um but prior to being at MAG I was at Deloitte working in audit yep so um pre going into industry when I worked in practice um it was all very audit related and did my ACA qualification yep um qualified I think I probably did a couple of years um two or three years at Deloitte and I loved it and I thought I was going to be there forever never wanted to go to industry and yep. then things change in life don't they um your priorities can change priorities change work-life balance kind of where I saw myself in the whole five ten year yeah. questions that you're always asked 
um, but still wanted to be in a large business, kind of like loads of opportunities. Um, and obviously still wanted to stay in the Northwest and Mag was just like up there um, yeah. on one of the um, potential companies that I could go to. And through there, like I said, I've had four different roles, went in as a um, senior group financial reporting manager, I think was my job title. <laughs> a long one. Yeah, a long one. Um, which is basically kind of like doing the consolidation, being on the other side of the audit table, really. So it's seen as an easy transition into industry. Yeah. Um, not overly sure it was that easy. But... <laughs> <laughs> Did I just believe that? Yeah. And then through that, um, opportunities came up at um, MAG where they asked if they wanted to apply for different roles. Um, other opportunities came around because I was quite open about roles that I was working in and where I wanted to go, what I was enjoying, what I wasn't enjoying. Um, and I suppose with COVID, um, whilst um, it was a hard time for most industries, it also opened a lot of opportunities for my career and getting exposure with people being on furlough. Yeah. Um, and then started this role um, at the beginning of the financial year, which was April. And Fab. And do you think being open in what your career goals were and I suppose the things that you enjoyed in your role have really helped you into moving into those different positions as you progressed? Definitely, yeah. I think that's kind of like, that's probably one of my strengths being having the confidence to say what I am liking and what I'm not liking. And also understanding the things that I'm not enjoying isn't necessarily a bad thing because yeah. you're learning and building your skills there. Yeah. But if it's getting to that point of having a detrimental impact on other aspects of your life and it isn't where you want to be, and that's when I think having those conversations was really key for me. And I work with supportive people who kind of like wanted to listen. I can imagine if you're in an organisation that don't want to listen and hear those things, it could be a different outcome. Yeah, it could be quite hard. I think even when you're looking for a new role, if you don't stay within your current company, it one of the things I do always offer to people, candidates, whenever I'm speaking with them is look for those things in your current job that you really love but also really analyse the things that you don't like and when applying for that next role try and find something that will include all of the things that you really love and eventually you will get to a role. Yeah how I kind of see that and when I've looked at CVs or like job descriptions internally is I've always highlighted everything in green that I really like yeah and that I can do yeah um, <laughs> highlight everything that's kind of like in yellow that I know I have to do it as part of the role, but I can't say, like, you it makes me skip to work every day. <laughs> you don't love it. Um, and then the red that, like, I just don't enjoy it. And you're not going to get a role that has... Everything, a, yeah, yeah. Like, doing cartwheels every day because you're absolutely loving it. And it's making sure you've got that, like, balance of more green, a little yeah. bit less of the yellow, and then not that not much red. red. Yeah, that's really, really good tip and advice for anybody that is you know, thinking about the next role or even a new opportunity within their current organisation. So did you go to university, obviously, to get a job, you know, at Deloitte? It's renowned as being a prestigious company to work for. Did you study and did you feel like you had to study to get a position within a company like that? Yeah, I did. And I didn't know I didn't know otherwise. Yeah. Um, and now... Well, at the time, you didn't have to go to university to kind of like be a chartered accountant, but I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Um, and I actually wouldn't change it. Yeah. Um, what did you What did you study at university? So I did accounting and financial management. That's probably something I would change. Yeah. Because you don't have to have studied that at university to then go on to do your chartership. Okay. But then you've obviously studied and doing your chartership, and 
my, my life is accounting and finance now and I wish I'd actually chosen and it's still kind of like a um a degree that maybe even like a science-based degree yeah um just to have three years of something a bit different um but yeah so I went to university um did the whole GCSEs A-levels university yep. didn't have any time off like to go traveling yeah. or anything do you regret um, that no because I've seen a lot of the world I have a new career yeah yeah and I'm sure my boss would say I'm always on holiday yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so it did it did kind of like everything as you normally would as like um stereotypical timelines um I think it really helps me with my career because you've got to speak to loads of different people and yes. I made so many friends there um and I think it teaches you life skills that when you do go into an organization you've kind of got them whereas going into an organization at 18 I just don't think I would have been quite ready yeah yeah um, so it's just that exposure um but I think now I'd probably give someone different advice even though I loved it and wouldn't change it for me yeah um university now finance is a totally different ball game to when I went there yeah when you can end up still doing the same job yeah there's a lot more routes that you'd maybe consider first before um paying a huge amount yeah. of money to go there yeah. I think as well it also depends if you get in that learning face-to-face -face. I know from speaking to a lot of students and um, just looking at grad programs and things like that a lot of their teaching has been virtual over COVID you know there can be the questions have they had the same experience by being it by doing it virtual or you know have they actually got more out yeah, of it so there's definitely different... I'm very much a face-to-face -face person so yeah. I think now I would have struggled with the studying just looking at a screen. screen yeah yeah I mean you could go to the open university if you're just going to be looking at a screen and, and do it over you know exactly. three four years whilst you're doing an apprenticeship couldn't you so there's definitely more options out there fab so I suppose what does your role now that you're in what does that comprise of what would you say a typical day for you looks like or you know a typical month what is it that you yeah. would say you oversee so I think you asked me a typical day question. I'd say, I'd say there's no typical day, which is why I like the job because yep. you kind of do have it is structured. It's monthly reporting, so you do know kind of each month the first four, five working days of the month are very much all about the reporting. Yeah. So there is kind of some form of structure, and then you, over your year you've got like your business planning, busier times, um, and in inverted commas you've got your quieter times. Yeah. Um, but kind of it's the role and the day is about talking to kind of like your stakeholders and building a relationship with them which is my favorite part of the job yeah um, and understanding their business needs and then kind of looking at the finances and building a story around that to use so much data that you can like crunch up but it's building that into a story where your stakeholders are receptive to it and you're able to add value and influence them um, and that's kind of what the the role of like a business partner is and it's getting out there and speaking to different people which is the part that I really like when yeah. people think of an accountant sat behind a laptop just like looking at excel yeah they wouldn't they um, wouldn't yeah no. I would say that's probably I don't know 30 40 percent of my um, role and the rest is kind of like understanding what's going on in the business and how can we how what the business wants and the finances they're how always aligned so it's like bridging that gap yeah how can you bring them together and make sure everyone's happy yeah managing expectations between both sides as yeah and I think because I can be quite um honest in work and I bring a lot of humor into it 
it helped manage those expectations. Fab. So I suppose somebody who's looking for work or for a new role, a new challenge, who might have been in a previous position to you, I suppose your role would be good for somebody who does, you know, maybe have a personality who wants to get out from just sitting behind the computer, the laptop, it'd be a good. Definitely, yeah. I think it, and I think there's such a wide spectrum within kind of like the world of accountancy and finance that you don't have to have one, you don't have to be one type of person. If you are quite an insular introvert, there's the role within finance that we, you need those people that want to crunch data and the vital to the business. But yeah. then you also need those people that that isn't probably their strong like skill set. Yeah. But then theirs is about building the relationship. So I don't think you really need one type of person. You need a balance. You really do need a balance. Fair. And there'd be areas within finance that if I went into, and there has been, there was a role that I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah, this, it just this didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. Which is when I had like the conversation and I said, this isn't working and it's not if it's not working for me it's not working for the business either no so it's been strong enough to admit that you know yeah. it's great that obviously you know Manchester Airport Group do have that open door policy where you can have those conversations with management yeah. you know express that something's maybe not working for you how would you maybe somebody working in a business where it's not as open is there any tips that you could give them to recommend going to have those conversations or reasons why it, it must be a really hard one but I I kind of have the the thought process of everyone's human so to knock on the door like the person you told me to probably pays a mortgage might yeah. or might not have kids has hobbies probably goes out and get has a few drinks of a weekend like yeah. they're a normal person and that that was really brought home to me at Deloitte when you didn't want to maybe go and talk to partners. Yeah. So just go and have the conversation. They're a human being. No different, the are they? No. So I think it's just, it's, I think it's like an internal barrier that sometimes yeah. you have. And what's the worst they say? Can you leave? Yeah. And you're only in the same situation that you were five seconds ago before you went in the door. Yeah, exactly. If you're not happy and you were going to be looking for a role anyway, why not try and explore that first before you start to look elsewhere? If you like the company and the values yeah. that they're yeah. giving you. And that's you. conversations I've had, like, and I know other people have not just set a mag for elsewhere, but saying, like, I do really want to work here. I really enjoy it. But the role doesn't work for me and I don't think it works for the business. I'd rather have this conversation than in however many weeks time, so here's my notice. Yeah. It's, and I think most companies would far rather. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know we've had a similar situation recently where um, one of our colleagues came and spoke to me and said, you know, I want to move into a different role. Can we have a conversation about it? And I think we'd far rather explore that conversation, see what you can do before you just get somebody handing the notice and you can't do anything then about it. if it, it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But no. Um, no. You leave and kind of like on better terms is how I would yeah completely yeah I completely agree then you know middle of a project no one had an idea that you weren't happy and exactly yeah and like the north the, I feel like the finance world in the northwest is so small yeah that you end up coming across people oh a hundred a hundred percent even within IT as well yeah everyone that you work with they go from one customer to another you'll have probably six or seven customers even people from mag will go to different accounts mm. and they all t tend to swap the same people around so you don't really want to, you don't burn, want any to burn any bridges do you yeah. it's just it just doesn't sit well with me i'd rather have said 
I've tried. Yeah, they're not. Okay, so two, I suppose, slightly more random questions. Um, but what has, who has, or what has had the most profound impact on your life and why? Okay, so thinking from like a bit of a career perspective or yep. in general. Whichever way you want to answer okay. it. So I think that there are obviously really, some people's career and job isn't linked to the rest of their life. But yep. I think because I actually really like my job, I'm that annoying person on a Monday yep. morning who's like, oh, I'm quite excited to go to work yeah. today. Um, so they are obviously really linked. So I think the most profound thing that's happened in my life that has obviously impacted everything, and obviously you know what's happened, is losing my dad 18 months ago. Yeah. And at the time, obviously, it was horrendous, really, really sudden. Um, but I think it's allowed me to become more open yeah. and have and a bit of like um, a thought of, well, kind of like what's the worst that can happen? I might as well have this conversation yeah. to potentially make me happier. Um, so I'm just going to have, and that's probably what helps me have these conversations yeah. at work, yeah. is think, well, I might as well have the conversation because I'm not happy. Like, you don't know what's around the corner. Um, when you've gone through something that profound you know it doesn't really matter does it you know yeah, you get it really does give a totally different perspective on life and in the last like six nine months I've had and I'm really open about that I had quite a lot of therapy yeah um to help me process what's happened but not only has it helped me to process what's happened it's helped me to process just struggles in life good and bad actually so I think that one incident a huge incident in my life has had such an impact and my parents have been the people that pushed me really hard through school university getting a good yeah. job but also I also just want to make my dad proud yeah and my mum yeah <laughs> we <laughs> but, can't leave her yeah, out can't leave her out no um so I think at the back of my mind I always think like oh would dad be proud of me for doing this what if I called him what would he yeah. say and he'd be like we're just going to speak to them yeah he would so I think that is probably like trying to make it positive out of a horrendous <laughs> situation. situation. Yeah. And what, um, I suppose, touching upon that and mental health, how have you found um, work have supported you through that? Is that something that you've found work have been helpful with you for? Um, is it I something mean, if had I said they had it been, I'd probably lose my job. Been... <laughs> <laughs> you better, you better have been, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, and I've actually put a post on LinkedIn. Um, it was in May, it was a year after my dad passed away. Um, to say literally in my opinion yeah. I think there were the I couldn't have asked for a better employer and it yeah. isn't just kind of my line manager who I'd only joined um <laughs> I'd only started working in my role um I think I think I was two weeks in before I had to ring him to explain everything he knew my dad had passed away but to explain how yeah. bad of a place I was in and I was having to have some time off work um crying my eyes out <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um and he was incredible yeah um at the time I obviously didn't want many people to know and work with those that were on a need to know basis absolutely incredible but it isn't just kind of like my immediate team everyone who I speak to and Mag who now knows what I've been through um just so so supportive and I couldn't have asked for anything better not just for me but for my mum and my sister as well because yeah. they're not then worrying like oh, oh what, how are work going to treat you because you some companies you don't know what they're going you know some people think you've got two weeks off and they expect you to be back in work and yeah. back up and running don't they so the bit and even when my dad passed away like 
it was it was never like well when are you coming back into work it was I hope everything's okay they've just been so supportive um, in my mental health journey and you don't know what goes on with other people but I really hope and I'm very sure they'll have been supportive of other people that have actually been through challenges with their mental health. Fabulous and I suppose the takeaway tip from that is definitely if you are really struggling need help reach out to those people that you do have close around you network and also go and seek help you know whether it's going to the doctors and to take medication whether it's going to you know seek therapy there's so many alternate therapies out there and I think sometimes people can go for one type of therapy it might not work but there's other therapies out there as well so explore all options which can be quite daunting at the yeah at the beginning like well where do I go do I just do we go and take some medication or yeah. see that therapy? But then, like, there's it can so be many quite different overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. I was, I guess, in hindsight, I was very lucky that I absolutely crashed. That yeah. I, there was no, there was no way for me to go. Um. So I, I just went like full pal. I should have probably stepped in a bit sooner. But yeah. hindsight's one of the things, and I actually quite. I think the journey that I ended up on has got me in a better place. It's the right journey for you, exactly. Yeah, 100%. So what's the best piece of advice you have been given, would you say? Okay, so this this is quite a new piece of advice. And Mm -hmm. it took me a while to understand it. Um, And I got this through through therapy. And it's kind of like to to ride the wave. So every wave like in the sea has to crash yeah so if you think of every emotion as a wave it has to crash so if you are struggling yeah like it's not going to go on forever yeah and it's a case of riding that wave and even like when you are ecstatic and happy enjoy that because you can't actually be elated happy for that every day of your life you'll be exhausting (laughs) but enjoy it at the moment yeah I think it's if you if you're going through a bit of a hard time at work whether it's a busy period that has to end at some point or if things are going really well actually just have some appreciation that enjoy the moment yeah definitely fab really good bit of advice there so on to some more um I suppose gender typical questions being a woman in business successful as you are and um, how do you handle your work-life balance I'm terrible <laughs> I know that <laughs> I definitely know that um so I, I've, I have been absolutely terrible in the past and I still struggle to um to manage it and I think Covid has made that worse yeah because my laptop is always in in the office now upstairs so I'm like like last night I messaged my best friend saying oh god I'm not really that tired I could actually do a bit of work and I thought about logging on at half time when I've worked in the day you did because your laptop's there yeah it's easy to check in on things yeah so and just like technology makes it like whether you've got it popping up on your phone and it's hard to turn off because it's right there. Well, if you have e- if you have emails on your phone as well, um, you know you, you check an email if something urgent comes through, yeah. you can reply. I suppose my tip for people would be to try and make it better. And maybe for Nicola, um, <laughs> would be little things like when you go on holiday, actually take your emails off your phone. So I'll delete um, 
my inbox for my work when I'm going on holiday, things like that, so that you actually, when you do have that downtime, you genuinely appreciate and take care of it. And like, it's kind of like that re-energizing yourself, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. there's times that, you you know, as, as you get older and you get higher up, I suppose, within a business, the times that you do have to react at certain times outside of work to make sure you're on top of it. But I think it's just appreciating fully that time that you do have off and making sure you um, look after yourself yeah. in that time. And it's kind of like about that kind of like openness and transparency. Like I have spoken to like my team at work, like my boss um, and our FD, and I've said, I know my work-life balance is going into like the red at the moment. Yeah. And it, I'm struggling to, to the switch off. But I know I've got that support there where they'll be like, right, well, we need to do something to make yeah. sure you are switching off. Yeah. Um, rather than just because some again some employers you know would just love the fact that you'll work till 10 o'clock at night and yeah, you know at some point everyone's gonna burn out yeah and you burn out and then there might be three months you're so burnt out you can't give 100 percent to your exactly, job exactly so it's actually detrimental impact isn't it on yourself yeah. and the business yeah exactly um do you ever worry i suppose being a strong female leader when you speak to different partners within business or in different roles that you'll intimidate men um no I don't think I don't think I do and I think I'm lucky because the stakeholders that I speak to at work and the relationships that I have I really I think I'm quite I don't think I've hugely been exposed to any gender bias and I think we just talk to each other and respect each other as the role that we are in the business yeah rather than the fact that you're a female, a female yeah um so I never really, sometimes I'll go in, when I worked in practice, yeah. I probably felt, I was also younger. Yeah. So I was like five years younger than I am now. Um, so I've not, I've got more confidence now and I feel a bit more self-secure. Yeah, self-assured, self-aware, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have been in practice when you're going into meeting rooms and it's all, um, say, so it's like 50-year-old men, grey suits, <laughs> like, wearing ties (laughs) and you're the only one and you feel like you have to be the one that's like takes the notes yeah or like does anyone want a cup of tea yeah and you naturally fall into that kind of stereotypical yeah gender of like roles and responsibilities but I don't do you think that suppose maybe with age and security and fully you know having the confidence you know exactly what you're doing in your role and your job that suppose I don't know what you would really call it but um intimidation in a way kind of comes away because you're so secure in your role yeah so you don't have those insecurities maybe anymore yeah and I think like every day week month there's more awareness on like gender equality so yeah I think the world's changed in the last few years and hopefully continues to do to change yeah that maybe it, i'm just it's just not out there as much yeah. and if it does well, it be the company you work for company you work for yeah. yeah and i think i'd call it out a little bit yeah so i know your personality yeah definitely. i'd be like whoa why are you asking me to do that and then yeah. i'd be like no go on yeah you, try, you can make the cup of tea. So, yeah <laughs> you, you do that i think it's really just making sure that you know we as women in the roles that we are in that you warrant the same respect when you walk into a room that a man would yeah. and it, as long as you get that, you know, you can all work 
yeah well so. our um, our cfo at work um is female and she's yeah. great so we've got a really strong female leader yeah um and i think i think all of her direct reports are male and it's you don't see it, that no yeah. not at all so the kind of like the company i work in and my little even bubble. potentially my sphere of little smear, sphere bubble of mag um because there is five thousand people who work at mag but your business area yeah, yeah it just doesn't seem like it at all which is absolutely great and it's great that they're obviously um striving forward in that way to make sure that there isn't you know a gender bias there yeah, um so i was going to ask you if you've ever been the only woman in a in a room um in a meeting room but you've already answered that yes <laughs> you have and how you felt about that um so this one's a bit of a sensitive topic so i know you don't have children but do you have you ever i suppose thought that considering having children how this will affect your career um i don't think i've ever hugely thought about it because i think if i thought about it i'd be like well I wouldn't be the first person yeah. to have a child and have a career. Yeah. So it would work and it's one of those things that I'd kind of make it work and so I've not I don't I never think like, oh well if I have a child, I'm not gonna be able to have a good career. Yeah. And you've never worried or have you worried that um I suppose maybe having a child would stop you from getting a promotion or um from seeing that you as committed maybe as other people? Um, no, because there's quite a few. Um, I'm the role that I'm in now. I'm covering maternity. Yeah. So, and the individual who I'm covering went into that role. Yeah. Not pregnant, and it, yep. it was a great thing. So it's never, it's never come across to me that it's ever frowned upon. Yeah, for you too. But so no, I, I don't think so. But like I say, I think it's very much driven by by the business. Yeah, which is fab. Um, I suppose, why do you think, obviously, within your industry um, and within your particular bubble, the, you know, your leader, I suppose, she is female, which is great. But as you were saying earlier, you walked into a room, you know, where the room is full of, you know, middle-aged men in grey suits wearing ties. Why do you think that there aren't as many female leaders Oh, that's a re that's a really hard one. I think it. I don't know if it's like it could be schooling and things are changing, aren't they? So you're getting more and more female leaders coming in because maybe schooling's changed and kind of like females are being encouraged at an early age into like STEM subjects. So kind of like yep. your sciences, your technologies, like your maths-based subjects. So I think. It's a, it's a time period, isn't it? If that, the investment's been put in, yep. say it started 10, 15, 20 years ago, it takes a while for those people to come come up through the ranks in a way. Whereas yep. if you're thinking of like the, those that are maybe closer to retiring, that investment wasn't put in them. So I think it's just the world evolving. Yeah, change. Well, I, you know, now as um, our group of friends, um, all the women that I surround myself with, are all successful um, and I think one of the main reasons that they're all successful is because they're surrounded by successful women 100% yeah I think the people you surround yourself by are who you become yeah 100% you, know, you have a big impact and also everyone genuinely celebrating your successes you know you hear of ho horror stories where 
um, people aren't celebrated or you have jealous friends, Jealousy, yeah. yeah, things like that. But to surround yourself with a group of genuine women that do really support you and push you to do well, you know, I think for me personally is one thing that I can see why there are, I suppose, a slight bridge in that gap gap of more female leaders coming into play yeah definitely it's having someone there it's having like a cheerleader on the sideline isn't it yeah 100 fab okay so we'll go back to some more career related questions now um how would you push so if you felt that there did need to be change within an environment so um you know maybe we you needed more females or it could be disability or whatever that area was but you felt that there needed to be systemic change around an idea or topic that wasn't very popular how would you try and influence that or push that okay that's a real good one actually um so anything like this where I feel quite passionate about yeah I I know I need to work on my delivery of it yeah. because sometimes I go in like a bit of a bull in a china shop yeah. and I potentially don't get my point across because it comes across as, wow, I've not really thought about how I'm going to... You know what you want You know what you know want to say, it's an immediate reaction. And, and you go I in get and too say... emotional about it. Yeah. Um, but if I've been a bit more um, not quite so irrational, I think it'd be speaking to the right people in the organisation, really, and yeah. understanding understanding what's being done because you don't want to go in and say right we need to do this 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 and this when actually things things are being done in the background and like you can't boil the ocean so I think what I'd probably start doing is understanding what the business is doing yeah and then once you understand what they're doing if they are doing something if they're doing nothing you understand the actual yeah if there's a gap you can say well actually I kind of I feel like this is evidence to support and go with a little bit more like evidence to support my argument um but i think it's finding the right people in the business and um speaking to them there's um we've got a lady um i can't remember i think she might have come from ey um our diversity inclusion director and i I had a five minute conversation yesterday on business planning with them i think 49 minutes later we're still on the call talking about all these good things so it's even having these conversations that like you've not actually got an agenda to have them, um, but being open to them and asking questions. And some some topics can be quite hard to ask questions on. Yeah. Um, because like you I was, don't have the best way to approach them. Yeah. Or are you going to say the right thing? Yeah, you don't want to offend them. And I was on a yoga retreat this weekend, and there's quite a lot of vegans there, and I was so intrigued by it. Yeah. But I think some people got the back up a little bit that I was asking so many questions, but I was just so intrigued because. It's our way of life. It's not just what food they put in the mouth. Yeah, it's the reasons behind it, understanding Yeah, that. and it can be quite hard to ask questions. The right way. Yeah, the right way. Yeah, without offending, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I 100% get that. Do you, have you ever felt that you have imposter syndrome? So have you ever felt, you know, in a meeting or in a role that you've had imposter syndrome? So I do think I, I think I suffer I don't suffer is the right word, but I do think I, yeah, suffer from imposter syndrome mildly. Yeah. And I think it's for me to build up my own confidence, but it's very much, I'm like, I know the answer or I, I know what I need to do, but I second guess up and then I doubt myself. Yeah. So I like, if I had a pound for every time I said, can I ask you the question? I don't think I'd need to be in a job <laughs> because I do it all the time. 
Um, and I think it must pop up all the time on Teams to my boss, and he's like, she's going to know the answer. Because most yeah. of the time, it's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, oh, I just wanted to check. check. Yeah. Um, but again, that's, I've had four roles in four years, all of them really different. So sometimes I've struggled to actually feel like I've got like my feet under the table to really understand it. So yeah. I don't know if it's actually lack of experience within a role or it's it's kind of like true imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. confident. You know, do you have the confidence? Because majority of the time, I think even if you have imposter syndrome, you know, you got that role or that position for a reason. So you you do have the skill set, but it's just you know catching your brain up to you know believe you've got the confidence that you do. So yeah. very very interesting. I suppose when you began at university, did you ever imagine that, you know, you would be in this position now? Did you know what type of position you wanted to do when you were leaving university? Did you have information on that or did you feel like you pushed into going into a certain route? No, so I didn't have a clue. I thought I was just going to be in audit for the rest of my career. Yeah. I really, really did. So I didn't think I'd ever be in the position that I'm in now. I never thought I would work in a large company in-house. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think even like this time last year, I probably didn't really think I was going to be in this role. It kind of yeah. came up because there was some maternity leave and obviously I'd speak to people in finance and it's like, oh, what does that role entail if someone's going to maternity X, Y, and Z? Um, so no, when I was at university, I, I never thought, I knew I'd be doing accounting, but I probably thought I'd be that person behind it that sells spreadsheets, yeah, crunching yeah. some numbers, and I realised I'm not very good with formulas in Excel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is what I, I could do with some tips on some formulas in Excel. I I well. yeah. Maybe we need anybody listening, if you want to give us a course, please let us know. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and how, how have you built your confidence and resilience over the course of your career? Oh. I think one of them is just kind of like you're constantly learning, aren't you? So you just naturally feel a little bit more confident about what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think how I was saying about earlier, everyone's a human being. Yeah. I think that like little light bulb moment that I had, it just opened so many doors and opportunities for me to be able to ask questions. Um, and again, kind of like leading back to at the beginning, um, losing my dad what's the worst that can happen yeah so sometimes it could probably actually be a negative me thinking that yeah um because you can go into things a bit more a bit too bullshit a bit risky a bit a bit more risk averse yeah at times um so i think i think that has really helped me as well it's just managing i think it's just managing that yeah um another question how I suppose we touched before on, um, you know, maybe how you would ask about a new role or a new opportunity within work. How would you say the best way to negotiate a salary would be when you're um, getting that next opportunity? Oh God, I don't know. Maybe we need someone to give us some tips on that as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about knowing your worth. Yeah. And I guess probably doing a bit of market research as well. Yeah. Um, you quite often find, and there's, quite a lot of articles that I definitely read on LinkedIn quite a lot of the time that um, you, you pay your employees that are actually working for you the right market value. Yeah. You shouldn't be giving them a retainer payment because yeah. they found something else. So it's about doing your market research, especially if you've been in an organisation quite a while. Yeah. You might be not really being in touch with kind of like where salaries are at the moment. 
So proper say, you need to do some research because going in and saying, oh, I want X amount um, or whatever percentage pay rise. Yeah, when there's no reasoning for that. No evidence to support it. It's coming up with that reason, whether that's, you know, looking on job boards, looking at um, if you were to go to market now, what, what salary could you demand? Yeah. I suppose that would probably be the biggest tip that I would do. You know, a lot of people, you, you do find that they will look for a job and get an offer and then they'll go to the work, which sometimes is frowned upon, certainly in, you know, recruitment because you look like you're playing two companies off another. Yeah. But ultimately, you have, you know, from one person to another, I think you just have to do what yeah. you need to do. And I think if success. it's kind of like an, if it's an internal um, conversation, it would be, um, I see myself as kind of like this salary within this role. I'm currently on this and explain how you can bridge that gap. Another question, really, what, in fact, I keep saying another question, so I won't say that. Um, <laughs> so, 500 questions later. I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, right. What advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, okay. Um, I think the advice I'd give a 25-year-old self, and disclaimer of how old I am, my 31-year-old self, um, would continue to be work on your work-life balance, Nicola. Um I'm not one for life short, but I'm very much a one of, you don't know what's around the corner. So you need to make sure as much as you're working hard, building your career developing, you also have to have that downtime. Um, so probably not listen to my 25 year olds very well yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and I think the other, uh, the other part I'd give is just, is just keep going and kind of like, as I mentioned earlier, like riding that wave and when periods are hard in and out of life, um, it will end um it might not be overnight um and also when things are going very well kind of appreciate that cherish that and embrace it um so just doing a little bit more of that and i think that's something that i tell myself every day to do like i said at the beginning yeah um, just try you can pull me up outside and say if i'm not doing it properly <laughs> yeah i will do i will do you definitely you know, message me like keep riding that way love. <laughs> Are you riding it today? Is it a good or a bad wave? Let me know. Fab. And um, what do you feel are the secrets to your success? I think being support, I think my support network, I think you don't talk about it. And I think we've touched on this before um, as a friendship group. We, we don't, we do really we do really support one another but I don't think we acknowledge the support we get from one another and so it does become a, a secret I'll never say like oh I've done really well because my friends are there cheering me in the background but they are and not just my friends like my family like my mum my dad was like my biggest cheerleader going um so I think that's I think it's just having that support and not just me but the people that I surround myself with I think we're all lucky to have that yeah. In work as well, kind of like the support that I've got. Yeah, the mentors that you go for for advice in work. Yeah. If you don't maybe have those successful, not successful, it's probably the wrong word. You know, you don't have that support bubble um, around you, then I think it's just about reaching out to maybe people in work, ask the person you look up to in work if they can grab a coffee, ask them for their tips and advice, you know, what they would do, how how they become successful. Is is there anything you can learn, you know, to get to that next step? So if you don't have that support outside of work. 100%. And I think if people haven't got that um support um outside work through friends and family, that 
there are networking events that you can join up to um, to kind of to get that yourself or asking someone at work to go for a coffee because you want a little bit of advice from them you've actually really I've been asked oh can I have a coffee have you got time so I can have a bit of a yeah. chat with you about like the career yeah and you might feel like you're taking someone's time away from them but actually you're helping them as well you're helping them learn how to kind of like informally mentor someone so don't necessarily think you're kind of like wasting other people's time and being selfish you're actually probably really enhancing other people's experiences and developments as well yeah well it is it to be to be a mentor or to have a mentor you know it's the same as interviewing you know the person going into interview if they've not got that much interview experience they could be just as nervous as the person that's going in to have that interview so you know you only get better at doing things the more that you ask them the more that you do them definitely so what do you want to achieve next? What's your five-year plan? Have you got one? What's your thoughts? Um, I don't massively have a five-year plan. So I wouldn't ever say like, oh, in five years' time, I want to be Group FD, whether that be at Manchester Airport or at another business, or I want to be in that role doing yeah. that. Because roles don't mean much to me. So what I kind of want over the next five years is continuing to learn, continuing to be invested in being given opportunities um, and just kind of like being recognised for the hard work that I put in. Um, so that's probably how I just see the next five years, just in a way a different five years to the five years I've had, but still on that like learning curve. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned this previously too. Um, sometimes people you know aspire that in five years time you want to be the group fd and sometimes a lot of the job titles you're aspiring for that next scene you want can maybe be for other people or how you perceive to other people um out there i think it's really looking at you know what is on your green checklist you know are you getting the most of that from you know your next role are you going to get more of that you're going to be happy outside of just know is my next job title going to look like I'm more senior it's making sure you're also it's what's in that job description kind of like is that giving me what I want um and I wouldn't know what I want in three years time because I think this time last year I probably wouldn't have said exactly what I'm doing now is what I wanted but it's under that whole umbrella of like developing really yeah fab and I suppose our final question to round things up today um what's the best advice you can give to someone looking to move into your field or career path i think one get rid of the stereotype of what an accountant is yeah of that whole like oh like bit of a boring person <laughs> like has a lot of retake goes in does a number crunching and go home like yeah. let's let's forget that um and i think don't think you have to be a certain a certain person because there's so many different roles and when i was studying i had no idea the number of roles that there are within finance um because you just think of that stereotype from 40 50 years ago so i think if you want to you're interested and you're an introvert you're an extrovert you love excel you don't love excel you're great at presentations you're not whatever you are within that mix there would be a role there for you if you found it interesting yeah so i think it's just kind of like go for it understanding what it is you actually enjoy and like and really doing I suppose that self-development yourself to find that out yeah. and then you know you can progress from there and also if you're ready for some hard exams that I should probably <laughs> caveat with that yeah. that was not a fun period of life yeah but now it's done <laughs> yeah so, well thanks so much Nicola for your time it's really appreciated honestly thank you all so much for listening to my very first pilot episode 
um, of Sheep came what? I hope my laugh wasn't too annoying. Um, please make sure you subscribe to all the links below. Um, we've got a really exciting guest on next week. She is currently the head of commercial procurement at one of the largest retailers, e-commerce businesses within the UK. Um, if you have any questions or anything like that that you'd like to ask her, um, leave them below or send them over to me in the DMs. Thank you so much for listening and I can't wait for you all to hear next week's episode.